Thanks for coming to Creative Spirit. <laughs> um, I wanted to start with some interactivity uh, to get to wake up our minds if the candy didn't. Um, so this is just going to be, uh, I'm going to ask questions, shout out answers. Audrey's going to like write some stuff on the board. Um, I'm Oliver, by the way. Um, I work as the creative director here at the church, um, and I'm excited to spend the next 45, 50 minutes with you guys. So, the word creativity. What does creativity mean? Expression. Great. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Specialized skill set. Yeah. Out of the box. Out of the box. Imagination. Imagination. Something new. Something new. Vision. Good one. Imagination. Imagination. Inspiration. That's a lot of I, M, and I, N words. Inspiration, imagination. Someone said another one that I didn't get there. Representation. Okay, let's bounce off of inspiration. What does... So yeah, if we're going to branch off of inspiration. What does inspiration look like? What does inspiration mean to you? Ideas. A spark. A spark. Captivating. Captivating. Original thought. Original thought. Good one. Uh, the creation. Like it sparks creation. Like yes. A breath of fresh air. I like that. That's what it feels like. <laughs> And until you have inspiration, it feels like you need a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, inspiration. Um, is it... Let's just keep this going. Is it easy to find inspiration? Do you guys find? Do people find? Depends on the personality. Depends on the personality, yep. Do you think there's a formula... Uh, for inspiration, is it this like really far out there thing that's this mystery that just has to somehow happen one time in the middle of the afternoon after seven pour overs and three bubble teas? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what today's feeling like. <laughs> um, Audrey challenged me with a good one. Um, is it easy to make room for inspiration? Is it easy for you to create? Um, I wanted to just get these ideas flowing. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a bit of my story now, but I just wanted to kind of start start a bit of a thought process. Um, and maybe you'll start mulling over some of these ideas as we, as we go along. And then we'll open up some conversation and welcome some questions kind of uh, as we move along. But me, um, I grew up in this church, born and raised. My parents and grandma are there. Uh, <laughs> so our whole family is a part of this church. I think I saw my wife in here somewhere. Oh, my sister's here. Um, anyways, yeah, I grew up in Victoria. I went to PCS, um, island, island kid, Christian school, Christian home. Um, was always involved in this church growing up. Um, all through high school, I didn't really know what creativity might mean for me or for my life. Um, I did really well in math and science and kind of thought that would be 
where I go. Um, I did first year of UVic in math and science. It was like, I might be good at this on paper, but it didn't feel like right. It didn't feel like what I needed to be doing with my life. So I took a massive uh, leap of faith and jump, um, and I moved to London, England, and went to <laughs> London, Ontario wouldn't be as inspiring. But, but my best man bought his plane ticket to London, Ontario for my wedding, not London, England. Um, <laughs> besides that, um, so I moved to London, I went to art school, started a fashion program. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I knew that creativity was in me, but I didn't know what kind of career that could look like. I feel like the arts have changed so much in the last 10 years. Um, I feel like maybe even still in Victoria, as you're growing up, that might be hard to, to grasp or wrestle with. Um, but I really felt like even then, I was like, I don't know what careers I could do. I don't know what I could do, but I knew I needed to do something. So for me, that was, was moving to London. Um, and I feel like even through school, I was like, am I gonna do this? Am I gonna do that? I even like, applied to a film school in LA and got accepted. I was like, should I do that? And I was like, well, it's a good thing I didn't do that. I ended up staying in London. With a week of moving back to London after that summer break, I met Hannah, who's now my wife. Um, so it's a good thing I stayed on that uh, <laughs> trajectory. Um, Hannah and I, yeah, started dating as I finished university. We got married as I finished school. And then we were young, married, she also uh, studied fashion design, so we were young, married, creatives, in a big, very expensive city with no jobs or what, and we were like, what should we do with our lives? Um, so we tried to move to New York. <laughs> we both thought that that would be, we both had this dream that New York would be like it for us. Um, our parents, both of our parents were very supportive of that, and we, we did it. Hannah got an internship with a fashion designer right away. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I was kind of just hanging out, <laughs> which was great. But <laughs> um, anyway, so we'd left London. We'd left friends. We moved to New York. We had a big goodbye party. We shipped all our stuff in a crate back to North America. Um, and then that was like when the recession started. So like companies in New York didn't want to sponsor visas and we were like, oh, we were all fired up. We were young creatives. We thought we were following our dream. We thought this is what God put in our heart. And then it was like, oh, what are we going to do? We can't stay in New York. We don't know where we want to move. So we kind of begrudgingly moved back to London, which was kind of like, hi, you had a goodbye party for six months ago, but we're back. <laughs> um, and again, Hannah found a great job working for a great designer, and I got a mediocre job. It was fine, um, but I still was like, I'm not following my, my passion right now. Um, but I spent that season really investing in the church that we were part of in London. Um, for me, that became such a sweet season of life because I was actually pouring myself, my creativity, and what I knew God had put inside of me into what I was doing at the church. Um, that was like a prize and it actually made my okay job way better because I knew I was focusing on something greater and it then became, I could invite my colleagues along to church because I was so inspired and on board with the vision of the church that I was a part of. I wanted the world around me to be a part of it. I wasn't finding my fulfillment in my career. I was finding my fulfillment in God and in the church. Um, but then, where am I? I still knew, though, that there was a call on my life to use my talent. And I felt like I still wasn't using my gifting to its full. So I was trying to be as diligent and steward my time while I was in London, but it wasn't really adding up to that much. So after three or four more years in London, Hannah and I were like, okay, now it is really feels like the time to, to move on and move into another chapter of our lives. Hannah just got her Canadian permanent residency. She's, she's British. Um, and we were like, okay, we'll move to Canada. We were like, where? <laughs> For some reason, Victoria, Vancouver didn't feel like where we were supposed to be. And it was like, Toronto, Montreal. I haven't ever been to Toronto. I went to Montreal for one day on a school trip. Hannah hadn't been to either city. It was like, what should we do? 
And then we suddenly met, started meeting people in London from Montreal. And we were like, okay, we'll take that as a little sign of, of a, what to do. So we moved in November with no friends, no job, no family, to, but we didn't have kids yet, to Montreal, which is not the best time of the year to move to Montreal. <laughs> the beginning of winter for people who have never experienced winter. Um, through friends of a friend, we ended up in a warehouse loft, which sounds cool and trendy, except it was like holes in the floorboards that you could see the factory below, giant industrial space heater right above our bed. Um, <laughs> we survived, yeah, and it was like minus 40 outside. Everyone's like, it's the coldest winter in 30 years. It's like, great. <laughs> um, but that was a really interesting season. Um, Again, Hannah found a part-time job pretty quickly, and I was like, God, what? Why am I here? Why are we here? Um, it felt like we'd left a summer season in London. It felt like I'd, we'd been investing, we'd been seeing fruit of friendships, beautiful like church life, and then it felt like a winter season, not just literally, but also spiritually. Like things, I think, but God was doing something in me in that season. It was a really hard season. There was no fruit, but I think some things began falling off that needed to be fall, falling off and like roots were going deeper and finding out who I was. Okay, church is out of the picture. Career is out of the picture. Like friends are out of the picture. Like who am I? It was a really hard season, but it was like, I think I needed, it was a defining defining season like for, for marriage, for our future family. We knew that when we moved, we wanted to start a family and it just became one of those times. So February rolls around, I still haven't found work. Um, and finally I got an opportunity of doing some part-time, uh, or no, not part, freelance like store window displays for a company in Montreal. I was like, sweet, it's, it's creative, it's work, this feels great. So I was like super excited, signed up for it. it was going to start the next day. Hannah and I went out for dinner and I felt something in my spirit that said, don't take this job. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this doesn't make sense. I haven't worked for four months. This is something. And, but honestly, I've, if I hadn't have had that winter season, I, can, I know I wouldn't have had the discernment to know that I shouldn't have taken that opportunity. Just something didn't feel right in my spirit. And this was like, if I'm off, I'm burning it. the only bridge that I got right now in Montreal. Um, but anyway, I sent an email that night that like, I'm not gonna start this job tomorrow. Um, that next day, I saw another job post uh, for photographers and stylists for a brand new studio that was opening up. I emailed them in the morning. They called me that afternoon and they said, can you start tomorrow? It's like, have you looked at my book yet? They're like, no, just come in and start. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, God, <laughs> you were there. Um, and what that studio ended up, they'd just taken the contract to shoot the uh, Aldo Shoe Company, which also owns Call It Spring and three or four other shoe companies, um, shooting all their product. Um, but it was not the exciting, it's like when you're online shopping, front view, side view, back view, top view, <laughs> stuff the purse, make the strap look like this, and make those handles look like this, and make, there's rules on how to lace shoes, guys. One side over the other, and you gotta do the bow. Anyways, details you didn't think existed, exist. But, and I learned those very quickly. But one thing led to another, and God started opening incredible doors. I, um, and it was not a trajectory that all of my colleagues were on. Suddenly, um, what turned to of a season of like, where's the fruit, where is it, became oh, suddenly I'm shooting the, some of the creative content for this company. Oh, um, the creative directors and the art directors at this company are like wanting me on board for their other projects. And then other freelance uh, things came along. And it was this super short period of time and just stuff kept coming my way. And I can honestly say like, there's no way it could have been anything but God. Um, everyone was like, how's your French? You're in Montreal. I don't speak French. <laughs> um, and people seem to like want to work with me and we're like, we'll figure out the French thing. Just, we'll just do English, it's fine. Um, which, uh, so anyway, it, it just was a cool season of life. I ended up um, shooting a billboard campaign that was displayed around New York, um, was the sponsor ad for the US Tennis Open. Um, I shot in Vancouver and London and Toronto and New York. 
um, did like an installation at the Montreal's Fine Art Museum, um, doing magazine stuff. And by all worldly accounts, suddenly it was like, this is the dream. Um, we, in this period, we had um, our daughter was born and then our, our son was going to be born shortly after. Um, and even though it was like this huge, amazing trajectory, it was also like a continual daily step of faith. Like that sounds really glamorous. Freelance, I never knew my schedule more than two weeks out, which meant I had a baby at home and a wife not working. Um, am I going to get another photo shoot next week? Are we going to have money next month? It was like continue walk of faith. There was no like constant or trajectory, but it was this daily, okay, God, do you have me? Do I completely trust you? Yes. Like it was, but it was like, it sounds glamorous, but it, it was like, but am I going to have something tomorrow? Like, is my phone going to ring? Am I going to get an email? Or is there another contract? Um, and it was like, also, I think in this season, like, as I was saying in London, I was career wasn't great, but church was great. English church in Montreal is really tough. Um, there's been a church that's been planted since that's like a really cool church. Um, but I was like, not, we weren't invested heavily in church. We never lost faith. We still attended church, but we weren't a part of a greater community. Um, and it started to like wrestle with us. It was like, Hannah and I were like, is this hollow? Is there an emptiness here? What, what are we missing? Because it feels like we've got it all together and we are living the like creative dream. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, I loved what I was doing, but something was missing without the church in the picture. Um, throughout this season also, um, I was building a, a brand um, with my mom and my wife called Carriage 44, which was a soap and like, lifestyle beauty products company, um, which, we were, which also was really cool. We started wholesaling our products in stores across Canada and that those products eventually got featured in like Monocle magazine and Vogue and so it's like all of these different aspects which seemed like really cool um, but it was also like this daily wrestle and then we, Hannah and I were still like we need what there was like one piece still missing and it was like really really hard to define but I cannot say much more than like the piece of the church really felt like it was was missing for us um, so we're like, what? But what would that change be? We 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 didn't. It's like, could we go to Toronto? Maybe that'll be easier for Hannah and I both to get more constant jobs. At least it's an English city. But that didn't make sense. Why would we uproot our family again to not move closer to family? My wife's family was in Wales. My family was in Victoria. We now have two kids. Um, and I feel like the seasons where I've learned to hear God's voice is the seasons where we knew there was going to be movement. Um, God could be in the driver's seat of our lives, I think. But if the car is not driving, like that's not being steered anywhere. Um, and sometimes we, we drove or we jumped ship like that. We went to New York, but God nudged us back another direction. But we were learning. We were learning his voice. We were learning the that trajectory and, and there was something disrupt unsettled in our spirit in this season um, which was like there needs to be something more um, and in that time it was my phone rang one day and I was in my freight elevator behind my studio and probably another winter's day in Montreal like, <laughs> unheated giant freight elevator but Andy called me <laughs> um, Pastor Andy um, and he was like, if you ever would, he's like, this is a long shot, but if you ever move back to Victoria, I would have a job for you. And it was, it was kind of like this, how would that make sense? Um, <laughs> it was like part-time creative work at the church. I'm like, financially I was doing, had great contracts in, in Montreal. And it was like knowing the move to here and like, oh, but we're doing like freelance art projects and my wife wants to open a, do a creative stuff. She's thinking of being finished with maternity leave and like wants to be in a metropolis to like experience, do like fashion design stuff. And, um, and yeah, we were building this brand which had like a big following in Montreal and Toronto. And then, but 
ever since that seed, seed was sown, it sudden, seemed to make sense. It was like, okay, God, I li- I'm, we're going to trust you on this and go on what feels like a complete limb. It wasn't a financial decision. It wasn't um, <laughs> anything except feeling like, okay, God, I think this is what you really want for us right now. Um, so the promise was to come and work here at the church on a part-time basis, and then we were also going to grow this brand. We found a cool studio space in Victoria. Um, we'd been investing in, in it for five years. We had some super cool concrete contracts with some great brands to be producing their stuff for them. Um, and I was like, okay, God, this makes sense. We've got the brand. We've got this. We're trusting you. It's, it feels like a leap of faith, but we're going to jump in. Um, and it was like, I fully, I think, felt that I'd given God everything at that moment. Um, we got here, and then he asked for more trust and more faith because the process didn't stop. We, within a few months of moving here, we lost all of those contracts for that company that we'd been making. And then it was like, oh, what seemed like the other half of the equation that was going to help skyrocket stuff just totally fell flat. And God was like, do you have more faith? Do you have more? Um, it was, um, Andy was talking about altar moments this morning. And when I was 18, I went to a conference very similar to this weekend. Um, it was in Kansas with your nephew, Joy. <laughs> um, and a random person walked up to me as I was leaving the altar moment. It was kind of, again, what Adam was sharing of, I went up to the altar, you're praying all this stuff, you're trying to lay this stuff down again for God, and you know that stuff's happening in other people, and I was, for me, it was a searching season of, like, what am I doing? It was right before I moved to London, like, really wrestling with what I was going to do, and someone, not one of the pastoral people, just one of the people just walked up to me and said, God's not going to stop pursuing you until he has all of you. Um, and I never got that, because I was eight, I, well, I never fully understood it, because I was 18, I thought I was living a faith life. I was invested in church. Um, I was about to move to London, and I thought God had all of me. And then at, at 20, I thought God had all of me. And when we moved to New York, I thought God had all of me. And then I started this job at the church, and when I moved here, I thought God had all of me. Um, and then again, this spring, um, we were at the conference in Vancouver called Worship Central. Some of you were there. Um, and I was having another one of those moments. And God said to me, do I have your creativity? Would you lay that down on the altar? Um, are you an artist? Are you a creative? Or are you mine? Are you my child? Is your identity as a creative? Or is your identity as a son? Mm-hmm. And I didn't answer that question on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what did I, what did I learn along the way? Um, it seems super counterintuitive, but at the height of my creative success were probably the lowest points of my spiritual fulfillment. Um, whereas seasons where I've been deeply rooted in the church and the house of God, I can honestly like 100% tell you that that's been the prize and the fulfillment for me. Um, I'm not saying that you can only create for the church. I don't, like, that's, that's too narrow-minded. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, the book of Haggai wrestles when the people of Israel are building their own kingdoms, but they've left the temple in ruin. Um, and as the people begin to seek God, he says, will you build my house? Um, and God then promises blessing. Um, Psalm 92 says that those whose lives are planted and rooted in the, in the house will flourish. Um, I love this quote uh, from Bobby Houston from the Hillsong Church saying, Creatives, you enlarge the imagination. Your imagination is God-given and from God's imagination, which um, we can submit that imagination to the house that we're planted in. Um, She said, Creatives, you stir the pot and you salt the stew. You make life fun except when you're a tad woeful and dark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
As creative beings, we're all made in the image of a creative God. What's the root word of creative? Create. Um, what is in your hand? Use it. Start doing something. Start creating. Because you'll never do anything that you don't start. It takes work. Um, if you came to a talk called Creative Spirit looking for me to give you a, a magical formula, if you were hoping that I would have an answer to why we wrote inspiration on the board because I know the formula to find my inspiration, it's working at your craft. It's day in, day out, trying to get better at what you do. Um, this weekend, um, this conference, it looks easy right now. The stage looks cool, the marketplace looks cool. Um, do you know how much time went into the ideas to make that? And then how much time went into making those ideas realities? Like, yeah, musicians, carpenters, video makers, tech engineers, photographers, designers, foodies, baristas, all involved and then laborers just giving their best to put to set the table that's here all submitting their crafts and their talents to the house this weekend and it's a beautiful set like it everything it looks great we set a beautiful table but it wasn't easy <laughs> um so there's two practices and i think they need to be together to make a complete picture you working at ideas and working at turning those ideas into realities um, the parable of the master and the servants who were given different talents. Um, Jesus said, use what's in your hand. It doesn't matter if you have a little or a lot, but start um, investing with what you have. Um, Zechariah 4 says, do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So learn your rhythm. Begin the process. There's going to be a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> or you actually more likely you're going to think they're good ideas, but if you keep working at it, you'll realize that those ideas were bad because you've gotten better. Mm -hmm. um, you'll think that your first idea was the best idea you've ever had. The first song you wrote is going to be a smash hit. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll only learn this as we are creating. Musicians, start to write songs. Does that mean that we're going to sing them next week? Probably not. Um, but does that mean you're going to start glorifying God and honoring the call that he's placed on your life? Yes. Um, but going back to what I was feeling that I was wrestling with this spring, do you find your identity? There's this like, there's this little thing of like, ooh, you're a creative. Oh, you're like, it's like almost like is an elitist thing. And it's easy to find your identity. Identity in being that, in being a creative. I want to be an artist, I want to be a musician. But like, take a step back and re try and wrestle with that. Is that where you're trying to find your identity? Or is, are you trying to find your identity in your maker? Um, you were made in his image. And as we learn that our identity is, is that and not in our talents and abilities, um, we can actually find security in God and not security in what we're trying to make. Because as creatives um, and artists, I think it's fairly safe to say that we're normally on the more emotional side of the spectrum and there's highs and there's lows. Um, or you find your identity in how good that last thing you made is. Or how many likes did I get on that picture? that I did, or what was the reaction to what I just did? Um, and tr trust me, I'm guilty of that, of thinking I just did like a super cool thing and then it's like refreshing Instagram every three minutes. No comments yet? Like, <laughs> what? Um, but that actually like, that robs the joy out of the creative process. Like that anxiety that comes over of like trying to find people's perception of my work, the identity of me, which is so easy to try and place it because you're honoring your gift. You finally have made something. You've created something. You painted a picture. You took a photo. You write a song. And then surely it should be well received. Surely, um, surely. <laughs> Everyone's going to want to sing this or whatever. Um, but what happens when it doesn't. Like, 
And if that's where we're finding our identity, that's where we can really start getting in a rut, I think, as, as creatives. So start moving. Like I said, he'll course correct if you're on the wrong track, but get in a rhythm of doing. Um, I wanted to name this talk Creative Spirit. It's not an excuse. Um, because I think we like the stereotypes that come with being creative. We like being whimsical procrastinators that have highs and lows, that we're dreamers. Um, if for far too many creatives, you can easily dream. I think it's not hard to use, access your imagination and to think about doing this cool project or one day I will or, um, and leave it there. Um, we, but, um, sorry. But if we just leave it as a dream, this sounds like super painfully obvious, but it'll never become a reality if you don't actually start doing it. Like Adam said like in his message, if you stay in bed, even though you're awake, you're not doing anything. Um, just start doing it. Like creativity isn't an excuse to be airy or procrastinating, non-punctual, flaky. Sorry. <laughs> the most successful creatives I know are so dedicated and so committed. That doesn't mean that they're organized and tidy and that we might go on whims or creative mode and throw all structure and reason aside. But creative creativity operates within method and structure. If you you have to be dedicated to your craft. Inspiration and creativity are muscles that need to be developed and trained, similar to training and developing anything else. It feels more obscure because you can't define it. If you're if you're an athlete, you need to go on this diet and exercise these muscles to get better at that. Um, if you're a doctor, you need to learn these skill sets to do that. Um, for a musician, sure, there's a, like, there's a technical skill set, but there's also like the emotional um, skill set, which the, like emotions and creativity, it's not something you can easily define, but it is something that you can get better at with practice. It does become a muscle and um, you can learn to flex it once you have that um, flow. Um, sometimes we get comfortable and I think in Victoria it's really easy to be comfortable. It's easy to be, be in the cool crowd, go to the cafes, eat, a, eat dumpling drop and drink pour overs. Oh. And <laughs> Um, inspiration doesn't flow out of comfort. Um, I heard this quote that I really like. Art exists to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. Art gentrifies and changes the landscape. Um, we haven't really seen the, like, gentrification is like a big city word. I feel like it's kind of exists in Victoria, but like definitely like New York, Montreal, London, different cities. It was like the artists move to the cheap, poor parts of town because they have no money. But, but then because the artists are there, more artists want to start being there. And then someone opens up a, a pop-up and then a gallery and then a cafe opens up. And this, that's what the term like gentrification of starting to redevelop, um, I'm just looking at the word awakening right now, but it almost like awakening a neighborhood to something else. It goes to one Starbucks shows up, like gentrification's gone and it's become commercial. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what if God was calling us to this gentrification piece um, as creatives? What if he was calling us to gentrify culture? Um, if we have a call from God, the great commission to reach the world, um, Yes, there's like an evangelistic uh, piece to that, but what if we were supposed to use our gifts um, that are given by him and use them like against the enemy? Like what if our creativity, yes, was individual, but also became harnessed corporately like within the church? And if arts and creativity and worship help lead the charge as we have a vision to reach this island, to, to grow our reach, yes, that's going to take like like teaching and preaching and pastors and evangelists to go and, but what if, what if as artists and craftsmen, 
we also were there? What if music started leading the way um, and being there? How incredible would, would it be if the arts and media and entertainment industries of this island and of Canada began to be shaped by the people within the church? Um, after our Christmas concert last year, um, Pastor Andy said that he believes we're entering a new season of creativity at the church. Um, and like something like this weekend, we're not, we didn't add creativity, we didn't spend countless hours on making triangular screens that with a ramp that I could walk up, um, just for fun. We didn't do it to show off, to be like, hey, we've got an awesome creative team. Um, the arts and like the arts aren't there yeah, to show off. Um, it's that creativity has a unique way of engaging with people like nothing else in this world. Um, there's a quote here by um, N.T. Wright is his name. He was a, a British, an English priest. Um, it highlights the value of art. The point is this. The arts are not the pretty but irrelevant bits around the border of reality. They are the highlights into the center of a reality which cannot be glimpsed, yet alone grasped in any other way. The present world is good, but broken, and in any other case, incomplete. Arts of all kinds enable us to understand that paradox in its many, to understand that paradox in its many dimensions. But the present world is also designed for something which has not yet happened. It's like a violin waiting to be played, beautiful to look at, graceful to hold, and yet if you've never heard one in the hands of a musician, you wouldn't believe the new dimensions of beauty yet to be revealed. Perhaps art can show something of that, can glimpse the future possibilities pregnant within the present time. I like really love that <laughs> thought. Um, that it's that, I feel like it's almost, um, I won't say the theme, because the theme of this weekend is awakening. <laughs> but Helena was talking about this, well, she was talking about um, Hallelujah Here Below last night. This here and now. Would I, do I want to wait until heaven, or do I want to start to bring heaven to my uh, daily reality? Someone else said it this morning. I, like, I, I don't know who. But we're wrestling in that now and not yet, that future kingdom, but current kingdom, and what if, just like, yeah, an epic movie or beautiful song, like whatever that show, whether it's This Is Us or <laughs> makes me cry every episode, seriously. <laughs> but when you watch these things, there's something that stirs in your spirit. When you, like some songs that we've done this weekend, like there are things that stir something deeper within your spirit. And like, how amazing could it be um, that when we can work through the lens of the church to awaken things in people's spirits that haven't been woken before? That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't work without our creativity. Of course he can do it, like Adam said at the close of his message. I'm gonna, no keys, no band, we're just going to meet with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, like obviously you can have a personal prayer moment, but like, how much more? How much could we help flavor the environment by like sowing in? Um, and starting to create and partner with the Holy Spirit to illuminate new things in people. Um, could your art give people a hope that heaven could be real? To paint a picture so beautiful that people begin to realize that there's more than darkness and confusion around us. Um, that's kind of as far as I want to go before we start asking some, some questions. But yeah. What I don't want to leave this talk like here. I was like, I'd love to like start thinking like what what would or could it take personally or corporately to start taking those dreams and making them realities? How can we start what even in your own heart or life, like what could be a next step? Like think about it, try to actually creatives in here or yeah you you've kind of been wrestling and want to figure that out like want to start doing or making act like don't it's about to be dinner break like don't don't let this day go by without like thinking about what could i actually do practically in the next week to start walking into what i feel like is here how could i turn a heart dream or a head dream into into reality but um
Yeah. That's good. Um, if anyone has any questions or anything like that, I'd love to do some question and answer. I definitely don't have all the answers in the world, but. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story. Slightly off topic, are the triangular screens permanent? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll be here for more than a week, but they're not permanent. <laughs> All our other screens are currently behind them. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm a writer, and uh, so something I've heard from talks about creativity is, I know it's sweet writing, um, but it's like that you have like a million words in your head. Yeah, I think that that's great. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. I'm going to make a three-hour epic um, is the first thing I ever do. You may never make a movie in your life if that's like, if you want to start by making Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, start with a short. Start with like making a music video for a friend or start with something small and tangible. Or if you want to write something like, when I, or like when I brainstorm something, the idea normally starts here, and then it gets here, and then it gets here, and then you refine it, and then you finally have your idea, and it's like if you're talking about a photo shoot or something, you find that on a concept, you're still then gonna take 500 pictures that day, and you're gonna use one of them, or maybe two of them, and then you might show it to an editor, and they're like, can you do something else? <laughs> like, do you know how much I, time went into that idea? <laughs> anyway, great, great thought. Um, you touched on creativity in the church, not just like remaining within the church or sort of leaking out into the outside world, but actually like becoming a driving force, and central part of the creativity in whatever the city surrounding the church. Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like practically to you? Like what? Yeah, that's something I've personally been wrestling with um, for quite a while, and I'd love to actually start cultivating creative community here more intentionally than we have. So maybe stay tuned because it's something that's like brewing. But even like, um, we're gonna announce this tonight, but you guys are here and I'm gonna give you a sneak peek, sneak peek of what we're gonna announce tonight. Um, this Christmas, um, we're doing, if you were at our Christmas Eve service last year, um, it was our first attempt since the 90s of <laughs> doing a more production-based Christmas event. Um, Based on the momentum of last year, we're going to expand that. We're going to do three nights in a row this December. Um, we're going to do Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night productions here, plus two services at West Hills. Um, in an event of like, this is our creative expression. This, isn't a, this, this weekend is for Christians. This weekend is to get deeper with God. But Christmas, that's bring the city, bring your friends. We want to show our creativity to this city and get the, let the city catch something of a hope of something greater. Um, so that's like a, that's like one specific thing that's coming up soon, but then more just on a regular basis, that's also something I'm working on. <laughs> so don't tell anybody I told you first, but there are already posters up. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Not an easy, <laughs> not an easy answer. Um, the question was, when do you know you're honoring yourself or honoring God within your creativity when you feel like you're creating? Um, yeah, like what I feel, I feel like pride or ego or self-esteem is so, and I touched on this at a team night thought that you can call it pride, but I almost feel like insecurity 
about it is almost just as prominent as pride and insecurity is thinking about yourself just as much as pride is. It's just the other side of it. Um, but I think, I think for me, when it was starting to be like, oh, that, that project is really cool. And then like you get around and when you're with a group of friends who are creatives and you're like all together and all you're doing is talking about your last, your last cool project and your last cool project and this is what I just shot and oh, I just, I just did a thing for this company. And when it, that's me, that's me elevating self, I think. But no, it's, I think it's like a constant checking yourself and it's not easy or natural at all because yeah either getting too proud of yourself or overly humble and dealing into like yeah insecurity like I think it's a constant yeah no one else yes Mr. Haggerty <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm like, no, I think I only am going to do one mm. thing, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that that's a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> like, if there are a million things that happen, maybe I can only do one thing well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to become a master of a million things. Not saying that people aren't multi-talented. Um, we're not all Luke Stones and can play every instrument. And <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean, like, when I was starting out, I thought I was going to do this. Like, growing up, I, I played uh, piano and keys in youth group band, and I wrote a song that we sang at youth group when I was 18, and I was like, yes, I'm going to be a musician, and I'm going to be, like, a piano player. And then I haven't touched... Well, I've barely touched a piano in the last 10 years. But at that season of life, it was like, this is my creative expression. This is what I'm going to be. And then it was like, oh, fashion industry, the clothes side of stuff. Like, maybe that's going to be. Like, and I think it's been that still small voice thing for me. It's like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going down that road. Do I feel like this is what that road is? Am I, is and sometimes it's just been closed door, obvious. Or sometimes it's been working in it not feeling it, not feeling that God is actually there and like a bit of a course correct to try something new. And don't be afraid to try something new, I think. Like if anything, if you've heard my story, I moved to cities a bunch of times and tried a whole bunch of different stuff and definitely didn't rely on stability or security to like help form those decisions, but for better or for worse at different times. But. <laughs> Yeah, like, if we only, if musicians only wrote worship songs, like, yeah, how are we going to influence culture if we aren't in the culture? Like, we're supposed to be in the world, not of the world. We need to be, um, that was, like, one of my hardest times in Montreal. It was, just like, I was surrounded by, like, super cool artists, and I felt like I was actually, like, in a very influential community. And I so wish there would have been, a, like, an environment where I could have been, like, come along to this other environment like there's other cool creatives doing stuff or this is my church this is a bigger purpose it was just like for me that like those two words like in london that those worlds collided for me and it like was easy to bring other artists along to like church type things yeah but like for sure like invest in the world Mm -hmm. Or, like, could it be, like, for instance, like, writing a song that you feel is, like, very inspired by God and, like, say, like, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's really good. I um. I love. I get a ton of my inspiration from. Uh, her name's Cass Langton. She's the creative pastor of Hillsong Church. Um, great resource. Hillsong Worship and Creative podcast. Um, on all podcast sourcing stuff is like so much practical like how to actually like make stuff and do stuff but she was like referring to one of her uh, one of her friends who is an artist who has gallery ex exhibits like all around australia she paints flowers yeah. um and she was like she's like i'm i'm tired of seeing someone who thinks they're an artist roll a canvas and paint a cross on it and call it art um, for this, just because it's in a church and it has a cross on it. It's like, no, these beautiful hydrangeas that my friend painted show the glory of God far more because she has refined her craft, she's harnessed her craft, and people can see the glory and beauty and magnificence of God in the flowers that she's painting at a gallery. Does she say, is she preaching the gospel at the gallery? No. She's giving her best and putting on the most beautiful thing that she knows how and hopes that people see that, like that quote, people hope to see that inner beauty within the external beauty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyone else? Or we can wrap up? One thing I wanted to just that I got from you and from today and as well as just from, you know, seeing your work and your, just your devotion to this church and to God is that the inspiration is also a perspective that you always have to look at. That's the thing. When you look at an inspiration, everything around you can be inspiration. But it's how you perspective, right? And that's something that you spoke on today. And it's about all through the times of your cold winter, the winter seasons, as well as your springs and everything else. When you have like all these great contracts and stuff, mm -hmm. is that all those was part of your inspiration what inspired you, it becomes your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's what God put into it. But you were loyal to God. You always kept God as your foundation. Piece. And that's your perspective. Because when you start looking at everything through the eyes of what God has painted for us here, mm -hmm. created for us, I mean, it's incredible. That's inspiration. But again, it's our perspective. Because if we're going through a challenging season where we're depressed, yeah, you can write from your depression and you can make they're all not artists, but they all died before their art got produced, right? right? And you don't want to be an artist where, hey, my death was the one that made me. You know, like mm. it's, it's already Christ's death that made right. everything for us for inspiration. So mm -hmm. thank you for that, that about your seasons. And yeah. Thanks, Park. Yeah, so I hope you got something <laughs> out of that. But yeah. I'm not trying to be like, I work for the church and you guys should only create for the church. But yeah, I hope that just like there's a little nugget of something in there. But just, yeah, start doing, start dreaming, start turning your dreams into something. Um, and I would just, one of the things that gets me more excited than anything is seeing a group of creatives involved in this church that are not just doing stuff for this church, but are doing stuff in this city and around the island. Because... I think we can make a, a real change um, through through a lot of yeah a lot of us coming together and doing something far bigger than any of us could do on our own.